Greetings, my friends, and welcome to the next episode of the Mint Mob podcast. Hopefully, I get the intro right. This is attempt number three, I think, number four. I'll have to get Alex to verify that. But Jason here, I got my buddy Alex across the world in the west wing of his mansion in Germany, overlooking the beautiful <laughs> Rhineland. <laughs> and we're going to jump into all things uh, crypto, NFT, and what's going on with the Goodfellas NFT project for you guys today. So, Alex, how's things in the mansion, my friend? Hey man, every everything is great. Thank you for the the great introduction. And um, yeah, it took it took you some time until we started here. Um, but I, I got that problem as well. I mean, I think I mentioned multiple times already that when I sent you voice messages, sometimes I'm I'm stuck and I have to re-record them all the time. So um, it's good. I, I forgive you here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we got a lot of, lot of stuff we want to talk about today. Um, I think there is a lot of interesting stuff going on in the NFT space and the crypto space. Um, but why don't we start with our own stuff, uh, our project related stuff, the Goodfellas. Um, we got a pretty cool artist in Incubator coming up. We've talked a bit about it already, but um, yeah, we want to dive a bit deeper today. And um, yeah, what, what's coming for the people, man? Tell them. Yeah, yeah. So the idea, of course, is to showcase some of the best artwork that we can find no matter the chain so chain independent doesn't have to be solana so you know if you're out in the world and you're on a different chain even though we mint most of our stuff on solana and bitcoin you know we would love to have that conversation with you if you're interested in producing some pieces but basically what we want to do is showcase artists who are out in the world doing their best to bring their craft to life and uh, alex was has been working actually quite a bit behind the scenes to uh, get an artist by the name of Maria, who is submitting our first seven pieces. And uh, we're going to be releasing this finally this month, I believe on the 21st. So maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've gone through with Maria and getting her onboarded and, you know, some of the ins and outs of the agreement that you've made with her. Yeah, of course, man. Um, Maria actually replied to a tweet that we made um, some time ago, and um, we actually asked artists to to contact us because we had that idea of bringing different artists to our project and create one big artist gallery. And when we made that tw tweet back then, she actually replied, which which is obviously great for us. And I got in touch with her, and we had like a lot of conversations about what we expect her to do, what what she, she had a lot of questions, of course. And um, yeah, then in the end, we, we came together and she created beautiful pieces for us. I, I really love them. And she doesn't know yet, but we are trying to get her on the podcast as well. So she can have a little, like we can, we can show, um, we can let her talk <coughs> to the people as well. And um, yeah, sh uh, sh show, show like, um, yeah, sh show people what 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 she's able to do, uh, how long she's an artist already, and why she became an artist. And I think it's actually pretty interesting for people to see that uh, process of of how you actually create an NFT if it's hand drawn. You know, um, because in the world of NFTs, a lot of stuff is generative, and you create just like traits, and then computers put them together. But Maria made everything like hand drawn for us. And I think it's actually pretty interesting for people to see how that works. Yeah, super cool. I mean, so much is AI these days, you know, generated by computer, by machine. And, and a lot of it is super cool. I'm not taking anything away from that. It is what it is. But there's just something special when someone sits down and puts every pixel on the page. And, you know, she's done quite a few collections. On, uh, I believe her initial collection was on Cosmos, but she's done a few collections across different chains. And I think uh, the majority of her work has been hand-drawn, so it's going to be really cool to see that come to life, you know. And her pieces, I just saw them today, not 15 minutes ago. I got them from uh, from Alex here uh, on our little shared drive. And just looking through the pieces, she did a great job with these. They're super cool female form. I think everyone's going to really love them. And the fact that they're hand-drawn, I think, just adds that extra little bit of mystique to it. So I'm looking forward to getting to know her a little bit better because I know that, you know, down the line, we're probably going to want to have her do some more stuff for us. Yeah, hopefully, man. I mean, um, 
shout out to you and and Joe and her um, to remind the people that you guys were on a uh, on a space a couple of days ago, and um, yeah, you already talked a bit about all that stuff, and um, I think it's definitely uh, interesting or it's definitely important to have a little spotlight for for the artists for people to to get them like to know them better. And um, you know we see so much art on on the on the NFT space every day, and we most of the times we don't even know who the artist behind is, and it's definitely important to to yeah, give these people some some spotlight. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think that a lot of people forget. You know, there's a saying, at least here on this side of the world, that an artist gets famous when they die. You know, it's like the only artwork that people <laughs> care about is like from some dead artist. And when you think about it, there's some truth to that. But when you look at it from a marketing perspective, the truth in that in that statement really ha doesn't have to do with their death, but has to do with the story. So the story becomes, okay, this person's work is over. There, there's no more work that that person can do. And there's no more value that they can create. There's nothing else that they can bring into the world. And so when you think about um, artists living or dead, the pieces that really speak the most to people are the ones that have some connection to a story, some connection to uh, symbolism or concepts that mean something or that are touching on a nerve in the, you know, in the zeitgeist, if you will, at that particular time. And the, the beautiful thing is, I think right now in the NFT world, we've brought so many people into the art space who technically never had a voice or a distribution platform before. But now we have so many people and we have so many stories that we've never even heard from any of them. It's like uh, it's like the anonymous thing is carried over from, you know, the quote unquote typical NFT project into the art world. And I get that on some on some level, you know, maintaining that anonymity can be advantageous if you're not selling a product or service, but a piece of art. But by the same token, if you don't know the story there, it's very difficult for you to us to assign meaning or to understand what the artists, you know, really uh, like core, um, like concept or, or core belief or core system behind the thinking and creating that piece where it came from. So having uh, Maria on, I think, is going to be a good idea, showcasing not just her, but all these other artists out there who are putting things into the world and trying to create value. It's going to be cool because I think we can provide a fantastic platform, not only for them to get more pieces into the marketplace, but for people to actually learn about them, to have space on our web presence, to have space on our podcast, to have space in our collections, and then really build value into who these people are and why they do what they do. Yeah, definitely agree, man, 100%. And I like the way you you described how, how, how artists actually kind of cut the supply when they die you know there's not, not no more stuff coming the the art is limited from from that from that time and um yeah it's interesting if you if you actually see it like that it's definitely um um like that 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 art gets valuable once artists die and um i think there are of course like some um, some some artists today who are already successful um i don't know if you know about uh, banksy for example oh yeah for sure Yeah, he's he's pretty famous, and um, I, I'm not sure if he's actually anonymous, but um, I I think that he just goes through through London and 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 some cities and draws his art somewhere, and it, it gets famous. And um, obviously, he's he's still alive. But like the the biggest ones we have uh, in humanity are unfortunately uh, already dead, and. Um, Yeah, I mean, you already said it. We we need to we need to praise artists when they're alive and and give them the spotlight. And and I mean, it's always interesting to see um, because it's, it it kind of reminds me of of my time in school when we had like art um, lessons and we talked about paintings from from artists who already died. We always had to had to analyze stuff and and talk about stuff like hey what did the artist want to say with that picture and with the with the it, with the type of of, of uh, color he types of colors he used and stuff and you know you, we we were not, never able to ask them you know we always had to believe what's been written or told by teachers so um i, I love talking with artists about their art and, and see 
what they have to say about it, what they think about when when they when they draw stuff. And I think um, we're definitely um, yeah we're we're definitely lucky that we that we have so many good creative people out there, and um, we're able to talk to them about about their art. Yeah, absolutely, man. The the Banksy story is really cool, right? Like, uh, if you think about, I think one of the reasons that that makes him sort of one of the standouts in the modern world is his artwork is temporary. You know, <laughs> if you if you think about it, right? He's running around town. He's putting spray paint on walls, and in various cities and in different places, and that's never going to last. It's temporary. It's it's ephemeral. It's going to be fading away. And the story of that is is kind of beautiful. You know, it's almost like the sand drawings. Is it the Buddhist monks that make the sand drawings and then they just knock them, knock them down, wash them away? You know, there's there. It, you can tell that the art is being done for the sake of the art itself, not necessarily to create popularity or not necessarily to create some sort of commercial endeavor. And so, when you when you know that the piece is going to disappear because of weather or because in the case of the monks, they're destroying it themselves, whatever the thing is, like the only reason to do it is because you enjoy doing it, you know, and, and that's really beautiful. There's a certain, I guess, melancholy about that or a certain degree of sadness meets happiness about that in that, hey, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm not necessarily doing it for you or for anyone else or to sell copies or prints of it. I'm just doing it because I love it and it's going to disappear. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah, definitely, man. I think like there is that one painting that he made is uh, that that balloon girl. I think it's pretty famous, mm -hmm. and he just um, painted it on on some kind of wall. And yeah, still there are so many paintings like duplicates. Like people want these paintings on their wall at home, and so we definitely get to see these paintings around a lot. Um, but I don't know if you if you if you um, if you've read about it or saw some uh, something about it, but. A couple of weeks ago, he actually went. I think it was London. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but he made some uh, some art on on a stop sign uh, in, in London, I think. And yes, yeah, some guy like he posted it on Instagram, and some guy just ran there and and stole that sign, <laughs> and got like got got arrested. Like I think uh, one or two hours later. And yeah, that's crazy, man. I I mean, it's pretty obvious that it would have been very valuable. But um, I think Banksy wrote to. Um, what was it like two planes or something like aircrafts i don't know like uh, criticizing the war and stuff um yeah and that guy ran there stole it ran away and got arrested and um, yeah it's insane but I'm, I'm i'm so happy that that someone like that lives and and is um is showing his art and and, and showing it to everyone you know he make, makes it public and stuff and not like um hiding it just for art galleries and um yeah a very cool guy i would love that he is some he's never probably going to expose himself and say like hey it's me um but um i think that is actually yeah a good thing in the end because um the uh, the that he is anonymous is definitely giving it some kind of spice you know when when you when you hear about another banksy you just want to see it and people go there unfortunately like london is not around but um I would definitely do it as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, but 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 Maria is in Spain, so let's let's make vacation in Spain. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. I've never been to Spain, so you know, I'll, I'll rely on you and her to be my tour guides. But I would definitely love to do that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And when when the collection is sold out, we'll we'll go there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go, um, go yeah, but but like it. Like like I said, um, we we are happy to to have her on the podcast. We hope that she 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 agrees. Like like I said, she doesn't know yet, um, but yeah, if so, we'll we'll have her next week or maybe the week after. And um, we're looking forward to to talk to her. And um, yeah, that's it for for the big artist incubator that's coming. And besides that, there is a lot of other art coming. Um, yeah, do you do you want to share that already or? Uh, I don't want to share anything just yet. I've got uh, a fairly big name artist uh, on the line and we are doing our best to work out a, a deal, but we don't have anything final yet. So rather than jump the gun, I'd rather make sure that we have something final before I announce who it is. But, um, you know, I think uh, ultimately when the name is released, people are going to be pretty excited for this particular person. Um, he's done, you know, big brand partnerships, 
all kinds of things across the world. And so I think, uh, you know, inside Solana, he's even done quite a bit and different chains, I'm sure as well. But uh, he's fairly well known in the in the art world and fairly well respected. So looking forward to bringing him on. But I mean, that's kind of the whole point of this thing. And I, uh, you know, when you were talking about Maria uh, doing what Maria does, and, and then you mentioned, you know, you asked me about Banksy and, you know, we're talking about, I think I mentioned the stories, like the story is what sells the piece, you know, not necessarily the piece itself. You know, sometimes the piece tells the story, but oftentimes it doesn't. And so I think when I'm looking at uh, the Banksy stuff, it's been really interesting to watch how that's evolved. Because I think in even at one point, I don't remember exactly which piece it was, but he did a series of art in New York at one point. And it was, uh, I forget what side of town it was on, but it wasn't a very, you know, it wasn't a very nice part of town. He had done, he had done a painting on a wall and people were going to see it, right? And the people in that neighborhood were guarding it. It was kind of funny. So like, in order to see the Banksy uh, artwork sprayed on the wall, these guys got together and they were making sure that you couldn't see it unless you paid them. So Banksy was actually making money for other people because of the notoriety of his art that he left for free on a wall somewhere. Now some guys are like, you know, mafiosos taking over the street corner, guarding this artwork that people are not allowed to see unless they give them like a, you know, a $10, $10 or $20 or whatever it was, right? It's kind of funny to see stuff like that happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. That's how people in probably like the Bronx maybe uh, made money back then. Um, <laughs> but yeah. That's that's definitely definitely cool. I mean, I, I always wondered why nobody ever took a picture of him while he did that because you know there are so many cameras all all around and everyone got a phone, a smartphone, and and stuff. So yeah, it's it's pretty interesting that never like that stop sign for example. If someone does some painting on a stop sign, I feel like there's like a hundred percent a chance that someone takes a picture, but somehow didn't happen yet. I'm sure somebody knows. <laughs> I'm sure someone's holding the secret somewhere. But, the, you know, it just, it <laughs> yeah, just it adds to the mystique, right? It adds to the story, which was kind of the whole point of, you know, that whole artwork conversation. And uh, it's really cool to see, um, I think, so many people embrace their creative side. You know, I mean, for the longest time, I, I think there were creative people who just didn't feel like they had an outlet. And one thing we can say that, you know, the NFT market in general has done is it's given people an outlet. So if you've got an internet connection and a creative streak, you know, you can jump online and start building up a little bit of a following and start selling a few pieces here and there. So I think the, the beautiful thing about the artist incubator is that that creative streak that we're seeing in the, in the market as a whole is something that we can go into and then with the help of the artist, amplify them, right? Like, it's not about us. It's not about, you know, what we get or what we can do, other than the fact that we can help someone else be shown in a bigger light or give them a greater audience or greater reach. And every time we, you know, can reach out to someone and make that connection, I think that's super valuable. So for me, like now that the market is starting to mature a bit, I'm looking forward to making deeper connections with not only the artists, but also the consumers, the people that we serve, the people in our community. And what, what brings us all together? Well, ultimately, it's the fact that we collect beautiful things. And that the common thread running through that is that we all collect beautiful things. So if I have a beautiful thing, and I love it, and I have the story behind it, and I know what's going on with the artist, and I know that Goodfellas is going to make sure it's got a market forever, Hey man, then so much the better. And I think it's just win, win, win all the way around. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's actually quite interesting because when I get into, into conversations with artists um, and try to explain that to them and be like, Hey man, it's actually, you got nothing to lose. It's a win, win situation for everyone. People tend to like not believe what I say. And um, that's interesting because like the space is so fucked up and people always think or, or immediately think like hey he's going to scam me he's going to get the art and run away with it like what what would i do with it anyway so um yeah we try to heal the space somehow and um hope for like as 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 this gets bigger we hope for more and more artists to to join join the movement um 
Yeah, because um, what what I just wanted to add to to the whole Banksy stuff is what what came to my mind is actually quite funny because I read some um, conspiracy uh, conspiracy theories about it, and then like, have you have you seen that some people even s say stuff like um, that Satoshi Nakamoto is like from is like American government and stuff, so that's actually actually a coin um, created by them to con to to stay in control of everything, and that's actually pretty funny because whenever something is anonymous, people go crazy about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I have heard some of those um, conspiracy theories. I mean, it's funny. I mean, no one can. <laughs> I mean, it is funny. I mean, the truth is no one knows the truth, uh, uh, you know, especially when it comes to like Bitcoin and Satoshi, you know, obviously a different topic. But the interesting thing is like, if you think about it logically, the U.S. government and the Chinese government have been at odds for ages. They've been trading partners, but they've never really trusted one another or enjoyed, you know, the, the lifestyle created by the other situation, right? And so the funny thing about that whole conspiracy thing is that if the U.S. government created Bitcoin, uh, the Chinese were the largest Bitcoin miners in the world for the first 10 years of Bitcoin. So it's kind of funny that if the U.S. government <laughs> did create it, that they had empowered the Chinese economy for 10 years, like inadvertently. You know, you would think that at some point someone would put two and two together and be like, well, you know, it's kind of helping the Chinese economy. The U.S. and the Chinese aren't really the greatest of, of friends. Did the U.S. government really create that to help the Chinese or are all these guys all working together? And of course, you know, the rabbit hole gets pretty deep at that point. But to me, that seems highly unlikely. Yeah, I don't think so as well. But um, yeah, just needed to to think about that when we talked about Banksy and all the stuff. Um, yeah, but we have just talked about the, the quality work that we want to provide. And um, we are very transparent. So, so we have to show the other side as well. And that leads me to um take a look at magic eden and the um and the um trending collections here and i don't know if you have seen but the good old pump and dump shit is not over yet so people haven't learned obviously and um what i found is a collection that is called jupiter cats um like i said i don't know if you if you've taken a look um i think we've talked about it uh uh, a bit, but um, yeah, that's like a big collection of cats, um, 1,111, and um, they actually claim to to be a free man, no royalties, just vibes and paying homage to Jupuary and its significance. And yeah, what, what do you think about such a collection? I think it's typical Solana, you know, I mean, I, I love Solana. I have a love-hate relationship with, with Solana. I love the <laughs> fact that Solana has its hands in so many pies, right? Like you've got the technical side, the art side, the mobile phone, um, you know, blockchain chat. You've got creators. You've got utilities. You've got artists. I mean, the, the rabbit hole that Solana falls down and the, the topics that it touches are, are vast. And so pigeonholing Solana is very difficult which is kind of what we talked about on the last podcast with, with uh, Joe and Maria on the spaces. But um, when it comes to these meme coins, meme drops, meme anythings, I, it's cool that it's trying to commemorate something. You know, I mean, I have no issue with that whatsoever. But I, I think it's funny that people place so much stock in, a, in something that's obviously not going to be of value in the future. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned this before, you know, before we start recording, we're talking about ABC, you know, the hand-drawn crayon-looking drawings from kids, and the whole idea was we're just going back to childhood, and we want to have fun, and this and that and the other thing, and that collection trended up toward close to, if not touched, 100 salon at one point, and today it's like at two. And so when you see things like this trending, and you look at the hype and the energy that goes into um, but the hype, the energy, and also the resources. And when I say resources, I mean like, like capital. And I think a lot of people on Solana don't realize what capital actually represents. When I say capital, I mean your wealth, your funds, your money. Like every, everything that you own, everything that you hold in an account somewhere is the result of a risk that you took 
or of physical energy that you expended to create or physical energy that someone else expended to create. And when you throw it at something that you know for a fact is going to go down, in other words, you're knowingly diminishing the amount of life force you have saved up, then I think that's a bad thing. And I feel like on some level, you know, if your enjoyment of that, like if I look at that collection and I say, okay, well, it's a cute little cat and, you know, I had fun in January. I got my jupe drop and, you know, I'm spending my jupe drop on the jupe cats, you know, (laughs) to just have a little fun. I mean, great, no problem. But what I think most people are doing in that is they're jumping on that to try to flip it for a profit really quickly. And ultimately, all of the collections that operate that way will not survive because there's nothing underpinning them. And so what we've seen in Solana is we see, we still see a lot of hype go from project to project to project to project because when you have, I don't know, I've probably explained this a thousand times, but when you've got so much supply and limited demand, you all you do is you cannibalize previous drops. That's all that happens. And that's why you have maybe 2%, maybe 3% that's, that's actually longstanding and of value. Because basically the market for consumers hasn't grown that much, whereas the market for the creation of NFTs has exploded. And the beautiful thing about Solana is it has a low barrier to entry. So, you know, if you've got a little bit of want to and a little bit of money, you can throw together an NFT collection and you can drop it. Okay, but the the ugly thing about Solana is it has a low barrier of entry, meaning that anyone can put together an NFT collection and drop it under the guise of something. So it's, it's, you know, it's a two edged sword. You've got the benefit of the low barrier to entry, but you also have the detriment of the low barrier to entry, which brings in all kinds of nefarious characters. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Jupe Cats is that I'm just saying that at the end of the day, when I'm looking to put my life force at risk, which is what I'm doing when I spend money, because money is a store of life force. When I do that and I put it at risk, I want to make sure that I have a, a good, solid chance at getting it back out plus. And I don't see that happening with meme coins, meme collections, or you know things along this line, especially when the communities that surround them aren't focused on holding or building. They're focused on flipping it you know, for a few bucks and you know getting a hamburger at McDonald's or whatever. Yeah, man, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Jupe Cats are at least they are claiming to to provide some kind of art. I mean, it's it's different cats, but um, another collection I, I found was actually called, and they even trended a little higher. It was called These Nuts, and <laughs> that is actually a collection collection that consists of three hundred fifty k almost. Um, and it's actually like always just a picture of, of peanuts written or pa- uh, drawn in paint or something. And this collection actually had a volume, 24 hour volume of um, 6,000 Solana around that and an all time volume of 60,000, which is actually pretty big for the space. And I actually wondered, like, what the fuck do they do? Why do they have these peanuts and stuff? And then I, I found their page and it's actually a um, their utility is somehow like um, they eliminate storage costs uh, for tokens on Solana and um, they they kind of enable ownership of, of Solana tokens without these fees. And what they actually did is they kind of created some kind of exchange uh, on their website where you can um, yeah, exchange these nuts, these NFTs for Solana. And what I thought is, I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with with Dex tools or Dex screener, um, but these are the pages where you can actually see new tokens being listed before they they get to CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap or somewhere somewhere like that. And the collection reminded me of these of these um, meme coins that are being like published there because. When I checked that page like a couple of days ago, I kind of monitored the pairs that came out like meme coins uh, on, on Solana. And I always wondered like, um, like who the fuck buys these? Because if you check these meme coins, you actually see that all of them, like 95% of them are rug pulls. Like they're online for, 
I don't know, a couple minutes, then they get some liquidity and then these guys rock because the liquidity pool is almost never locked. So, um, and this is actually, that applies to what you just said, because you said um, that it's always like the same guys who jump from one project to, to the next project to the next project. And that's just probably like the same with, with the meme coin shit that people always hope for the big win for like getting a meme coin at, at a market cap of, I don't know, 100,000 and, or even like $1,000 and, and um, being able to sell like with 500 to 1000 X. Um, and that's insane. And that's, that's pure gambling. And that's what people do not get. And I, I, I believe that people claim to be investors, um, but, but that's bullshit. And that is the same for, for <clears throat> all these, all these shitty NFTs that, that recently dropped and and the collections and do you think this will um end sometime or do you think this these collections will always exist and just keep going to zero and new ones will will um will come i think ultimately it goes away uh, or at least it drops to you know um a tiny fraction of the market because what's going to happen is ultimately I liken it to fishing. I don't know if you've ever, if you do any fishing or what have you, but when I was a kid, actually back when I was in college, my college roommate and I, we went uh, bass fishing like every day. And uh, it turns out that he actually invented a lure and patented it and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, we would go fishing every day and we'd, we'd find a great spot and we'd cast lures and we would just kill it, man. We would just be raking fish in, right? But then after a while of the fish seeing that same lure, it stops working because basically we're catch and release. We're not keeping the fish. We're releasing them back. They learn what that lure looks like and they stop biting it. Right. And I think humans work very much the same way. And right now we're conditioning humans to in the marketplace for NFTs to be distrustful, but also to be greedy. And I think as long as someone can risk a certain amount of funds that is not going to basically impact their life in a negative way if they lose it. You know, like if if someone loses, uh, you know, whatever. I know everybody's at a different place, but let's say someone loses $1,000, right? And for them, that's not a big deal. I lost $1,000. It's not going to impact my lifestyle. Okay, no big deal, right? And so for me, it's worth taking a risk on this meme coin that could go to, you know, 5,000x, whatever. If I lose my money, I lose my money. Okay, cool. I have no problem with that person risking their own money. Because they're understanding the fact that, okay, if I lose this money, it's not going to impact my lifestyle. But I think what's happening is people who don't have money are gambling. And then we end up with long, sad stories on Twitter about how crypto ruined my life. I don't know if you've seen this, right? Crypto ruined my life. Yeah. No, idiot. Crypto didn't ruin your life. Your greed ruined your life. Your stupidity ruined your life. And, you know, I've seen, I actually saw a post on Twitter of some guy who had sat down in his bathtub and taken a photo of his wrists with blood on them. Now, obviously, I don't know if this is staged or not, right? It could just be someone putting ketchup on their wrist and holding a razor blade and saying, crypto ruined my life. And, you know, I asked for help and no one was here to help me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I mean, obviously, it could have been faked, could have been real. But the point that that type of thing exists is going to be the end of this, you know, sort of pump and dump, give me something for nothing world. Because whether we want to admit it or not, you know, regulation is coming to the market. And all a regulator needs to get a law passed is some visual like that. They'll take this to the public and they'll say, okay, well, we're going to start regulating NFTs and artwork markets in the NFT world, because we need to save you from yourselves. And so ultimately, the market will cannibalize itself either through regulation or through the fish getting smarter. I'm hoping the fish get smarter and they stop doing stupid things before the regulators come in and say, well, we need to save you from yourself. Because when that happens, when the regulators save us from ourselves, all the best opportunities are gone and the market starts to smooth out. And, you know, you don't have big gains or big losses, but you also don't have big opportunity. So I try to, you know, when I'm talking to someone about investing, I try to make everything very real world. In the real world, investing is putting money into a thing and then expecting or having a very high likelihood of getting either cash flow or some dividend back in the future. In other words, you can pull your money back out. 
Um, speculating is what most people do in the NFT market, which is where you buy something and you hope to find a bigger sucker to sell it to for more later. That's a huge, huge difference, right? So if I'm buying, you know, this NFT project, I'm just looking at the one that you mentioned, you know, these nuts, which is kind of funny, right? So if I buy this, the only way that I really make out is to sell it to a bigger sucker. And I, I'm hoping to find a bigger sucker to buy this, you know, picture of two peanuts from. And the, the likelihood of that as the hype subsides is almost nil. So I see this ending and I see this, I see this starting, uh, you know, to end with the maturity of the market, but we have a long way to go. Um, one of the interesting things that points to the maturity of the market is, you know, even the founder of Solana has said numerous times on, on his Twitter feed that he wants Solana to represent higher quality. He's made a few posts to this uh, effect. We saw um, Alex, I forget his last name, but the guy who went by NFT God, you know, he retired his NFT God moniker and now is running by his real name and is actually doing a show where he evaluates NFT projects. And what's happening is people are realizing, at least people who understand money are realizing that what an NFT project is, is it's actually you're buying a share in a company. That's what it is. It's a pretty piece of stock in a company, especially uh, if they're advertising utility or they're advertising gains or if they're advertising some sort of cash flow, you're buying into a company. And so the artwork is nearly irrelevant at that point. It's just a pretty piece of stock. And if you're pitching an idea to an investor, the investor wants to know not how pretty the artwork is, but how in the world are you going to give me some reasonable return on the money that I'm giving you in a reasonable time frame? And as more and more people drop the anonymity, as more and more people focus on building real businesses, as more and more people separate the idea of artwork from the business of building a utility, this stuff will continue to subside. Um, but the flip side of that and what could make it continue to last is that when new people come into the marketplace, they get sucked into the existing uh, paradigm. And the truth is the, the market for buyers in the NFT world hasn't really grown yet. This is still really underground, really under the surface. And when the masses come in, you know, there's, there's going to be a learning curve for them as well. So that might you know, make this last a bit longer. It might mean a few more people get screwed, but it's also going to mean the market is more jaded. There's going to be more information about who to trust, um, how to trust them, what to look for. Uh, anonymity will be a thing of a past if you're building an actual project. And ultimately, maturity will win. When that happens, I have no idea, but ultimately, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I hope so, man. I hope so, because... You know, um, we we definitely hope for the fishes to to be smarter smarter in the future. But the problem is that the whole space kind of encourages you to to make dumb decisions. You know, if you look at all around like Twitter or X um, regarding the 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 NFTs and the crypto space, you always see these guys posting their pictures like hey look i made so much on that and i did made so much money on that and then people get like get that fomo and um yeah they, they buy into that shit and i i think as long as these people get a voice like the the so-called so influencers today um as long as they are like successful and and people follow their calls it's it's going to be difficult but um yeah like I said, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I hope that one day the majority of, of people who are already inside the space now will get smarter. And um, once new people enter the market, um, that, that the, the guys that we have today who who are spreading the word in, in, in the crypto space, that they will disappear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you uh, you hit on something that I was going to, to touch on. What was it? My brain stopped working. Oh, Jesus. What was it? You were talking about the fish getting smarter. Um, man. What was it? I hate, hate, when that, hate, hate when that happens as well. <laughs> I totally fell off the train, man. Um, <laughs> where So we were, yeah, we were talking about, let me just backtrack. We were talking about the, um, the market maturing. You were talking about the, uh, 
the fact that um, you hope the fish get smarter. Um, Jesus, what was it? Super key. Oh, oh no, that's not it. Oh, it'll come to me in a minute. It'll yeah, hit you can like cut it in after afterwards. <laughs> it'll it'll hit me as soon as we go. To, as soon as we go to the next topic, it'll <laughs> it'll hit me. Oh shit, what was it? I was talking about like influencers who got the voice and stuff. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Must be terrible for you now, man. I, I, know, I know that feeling so good. I know my <laughs> my brain isn't working for some reason, but um. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of maturity in the marketplace is is really what we're talking about. The question is when it happens, how do, how do we get there? You know, I mean, I don't think anyone can tell you when anything. Um, oh, I know what it was. See, I told you as soon as we changed the topic, it comes to me. <laughs> so uh, you, you mentioned when you were talking, you were talking about uh, people who come into the marketplace and they say, oh, so and so posted this huge win, you know. And then this guy over here is yeah. posting this huge win. And I think people forget this is, I mean, this is more related to social media psychology than it is to NFTs, but people forget that everything on social media is curated. You know, no one is posting their losses. You know, no one is saying, oh, you know, I lost nine times this week. Excuse me. I lost nine times this week, but here's my one win. <laughs> And, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, no, here's my win. Just ignore everything else. You know, here's my, you know, my new car, here's my new job, here's my new girlfriend, you know, here's my, you know, new uh, NFT sale that I made 500 bucks on. Like everybody's posting when they win, but no one's posting the fact that it took them 10 tries or 15 tries or 100 tries to get the win, right? And uh, if, if you think about this, I mean, even Elon Musk has talked about this on, I think he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about how um, you know, people on the outside think they want to be him. You know, I know people out there, they think they want to be me, but you don't know what's going on inside my head. And, you know, social media makes it look like everybody outside of you is happier than you and smarter than you and prettier than you. But the reality is that none of those things are true. Probably not that happy, you know. And, 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 and we, if we don't keep the perspective that everything on social media is curated and that people are only showing you what they want you to see, then, yeah, you end up with people making stupid decisions like that. So if someone posts a huge win, you know, the first thing that I want to know is, all right, let's see. Oh, we lost them. There we go. You back? Oh, we're exchanging encryption keys here on Telegram. Let's see if it works. Are you back? Yeah, I mean, right. I'm here actually. I didn't didn't look like I was disconnected. I think t t uh, Telegram rocked us somehow. Yeah, yeah, no um, worries. Yeah. But it, but anyway, so um, oh. no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, can 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 we cut it like just cut it together? Oh yeah, it'll be fine. Well, you know, we're we're not really okay, perfect because he was he was he was talking about like um uh, no, nobody showing like his losses and just the yeah. wins. Maybe you can. Yeah, exactly. Get in there again. Exactly. Like, I mean, the first thing you should look at is not someone's most recent win, but look at their track record, right? Like, look at their track record. That's the thing that people forget to do. Yeah. So if you've got... And, and we, 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 we have to be honest that, especially the stuff that is being shown on, on Twitter, like the Phantom Wallet and, 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 and all, the, all that stuff related to, to crypto, <laughs> like, that can be faked so easy. <laughs> It's like so you don't funny. even have to have that win you can just fake it yeah i you know i think that one of the dumbest ways i've seen people you know like growing their interaction and their their twitter following is posting a photo of a phantom wallet with a bunch of money in it and then putting their name at yeah. the top in the same font that the phantom application uses and then people people are just like drop your wallet below and yeah. i'm gonna send <laughs> yeah, you yeah. i'm gonna send you a you know a thousand dollars or whatever it is like really you're still falling for that dumb shit no one is sending you a thousand dollars for free my friend it's not happening you know but um yeah, but oh, yeah, yeah. I, i still see so, so many wallets in the comments <laughs> no but yeah like it just comes down to track record so like look at people's track records and um you know if uh, if you're looking at a project you know who is responsible for the project what have they done previously Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that they're going to, if they failed in the past, that doesn't mean that they're going to fail in the future. It's just an indicator. 
if they've been successful in the past, that doesn't mean they're going to be successful in the future. It's just an indicator. The question is, how did they handle the adversity? What did they do? Did they treat people right? You know, did they return funds? Did they tell lies? What is it that they did to make sure that at the end of the day, if they failed, they did their best to make it uh, make it right. If they succeeded, they did their best to tell the truth around the success and honor their track record. And I see just random people who are, quote unquote, uh, you know, like trading, you know, gods with anonymity. You don't know their name. You don't know their track record. You don't know their history. You don't know what they've done, but they're giving you a recommendation. That should all be avoided. That should be avoided uh, completely because, again, unless and until you've seen the entire transaction log from their portfolio, them showing you that one win is meaningless. Yeah, man, and and in the end, it all comes back to what we have said in the very beginning when we started the project that we want to be transparent about everything we do and like integrity for the for the community and stuff and this is going to be the most important thing forever and um i i hope that influencers will get that in the future as well i mean that alex guy did obviously he doxed himself um and yeah i haven't seen anyone doing the same yet but um I think just being anonymous and posting phantom screenshots and, and and trying to to get attention by claiming to drop Solana or any shitcoin um, is not going to work forever. And um, yeah, man, I, th I think that's like definitely a good learning for everyone listening and and some good final words, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, from the you know from the trend of anonymity to responsibility, uh, I think. You know, you can look at some of the biggest names in the NFT space and you can see that where where you have the reputation of a successful person, then you generally have more uh, interest, A, if that person has a following, but B, you have more certainty in the space. You know, I, I think Discord largely exists so that people can check to see if they got rugged today. You know, it's like, I'm in all these different servers. Let me check to see if I got rugged today. Because if you go into Discord, the level of conversation in most projects is, you know, like eighth grade level, third grade level. It's, it's hey, what's up? Are you drunk? You know, are you smoking weed? It's just like, it's, it's ridiculous, right? But if you go into a server where you have an actual conversation around what's happening, where the market's going, um, you genuinely have an interest in those relationships and seeing them blossom and bloom over time. That's really what, you know, I think that's, that should be used for. It's a great distribution tool for information on some level. But again, you know, when you look at the level of discourse in there, is it free shit based, you know, surface level stuff, anonymity left and right, you know, um, distrust, I'm showing up to check, you know, or is it not? that's really going to be the indicator of, you know, where that project goes. So I look at, um, yeah. like D gods and Frank, or you can look at, uh, Moonbirds or, you know, any of these larger projects, Steve Aoki's project, you know, where people are known, obviously in the space, they do really well, but also where people are building a reputation, they're going to do very well because in a space of liars, if you can, if you can actually, weather the storm and stand out long enough to build a good reputation, that's going to be of benefit in the long run and help you build a following. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I, I sometimes I can't even judge people for, for talking so much shit in the discord because I heard there are projects who made it mandatory to be active um, unless you want to get your free mint. But um, <laughs> I mean, is it, is it, is it actually free if you have to spend so much time in there? I mean, time is, time is, valuable as well so how free is it actually in the end you know um yeah 100 yeah. i mean that's the th that's the silly thing right i mean not to get off on <laughs> yeah. another tangent i know we both got to get going here but i just want to touch on this before we get off like if you are spending your time you know and you're being rewarded either with a role in discord uh, a free mint um you know some sort of little benefit there's nothing wrong with that Right? It's fine. But by the same token, you have to realize that you're now employed by someone. You're trading your precious life force in the service of some, someone or something else. Right. And as long as you're in agreement 
that that's a good thing and a good use of your time, so much the better. But if I have a free mint project and a free mint project is telling me I have to be active in discord, I have to tweet this, I've got to follow that, you know, I've got to retweet this and comment and all this other stuff. Well, you know what? I'd just rather wait for it. If I like the artwork or the project, I'd just rather wait for it to mint and then I'll buy it for a couple pennies. It's, it's way cheaper, you know, to do that than it is to waste all my time doing that when I could be doing, when I could be spending my time on creative pursuits in my own life. Not even that. I mean, um, you know, when people, people do not get that they are actually working for the project once they start to retweeting everything and being active and, and all that stuff. And I mean, for what in the end, like go work for minimum wage and you'll probably get more money during that time. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What, what can, what can we do? We can Other than teaching people. Yeah. We can, uh, tell the truth and be honest and, you know, and grow from there with the people who actually give a shit about the space, the marketplace and the project that we're building and then care about the longevity of a thing. And, you know, those are the people that we want to invest in and spend time around. And as long as we do that, you know, where the chips fall from there, it's not up to us. We can't control outcomes. We can only control our inputs, but I've never seen a market in history where people do the right thing for an extended period of time and don't figure out how to create success, not only for themselves, but for every single person that they've touched and every single person that they come in contact with. Perfect, man. So to, to conclude this wonderful episode, Maria coming soon. Don't buy these nuts. Don't buy jupe cats and avoid Freemans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of a, kind of in a D's nutshell, huh? Ah, <laughs> dad joke, really bad dad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize in advance. That was terrible. <laughs> All right, I man. Liked it, any, liked it. All good. Sorry, man. Any parting words, yeah. any parting shots you want to make before we get off here? Uh, no, I'm actually good. I think that was a pretty, pretty good episode. A lot of good information and looking forward for what's to, what's, what's coming. Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, you know, stepping out of your, your German castle over there to spend time with us low, <laughs> lowly Americans here. And uh, we'll have fun, guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure and rate us, send us some feedback. Let us know how we can improve and get you better information over time. We're always looking for honest feedback, and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>